Welcome to the Anchor Podcast, a ministry of Rock Harbor Church. We want to help you grow in your walk with the Lord by an in-depth study of the Word of God. So grab your Bible and let's set a course for spiritual maturity. Here's Pastor Brandon with today's message. If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn to Revelation 18. We did part one last week, and then this week we're going to be doing part two of looking at the destruction of commercial Babylon. And as you see all these convergent factors of what's going on in the world, you have Israel that's going on and the Gog of Magog alliance, but at the same time that this is happening, there's the formation of the Babylonian system. She's always been here, but she's forming at an ever-rapid pace. What I want you to keep in mind as we study Babylon is Babylon is thought of in a three-legged stool. It has the religious aspect to her. We see that in Revelation 17. And then in Revelation 18, you see the other two facets of her, which is the economic and political legs of Babylon. So it's three legs, religion, economics, politics. And the way you want to think about politics is who's in power, who has control. That's what the issue is. And the other thing to keep in mind when you study Babylon is to understand it is Satan's counterfeit to God's programs that God uses throughout the ages. For instance, God uses Israel as the vehicle to do his work, and now today he's using the church to do his work. That's the vehicle. And then the vehicle in the future will be Israel again. So Satan has his vehicle, and his vehicle is called Babylon. And it has those three-pronged aspects of religion, politics, and economics. Now, you might say, that's just too big for me. That's really broad. Bring it down to my life and how these three legs affect my personal life. Well, it's happening right in front of you. Now, we see the great apostasy. You saw it on even the prophecy video of uh, people embracing universalism and, and whatnot. And we see a lot of Christians who once held their beliefs are now falling away. And even in your own personal lives, you're seeing people that you knew who once held to biblical values no longer hold them, and they don't even go to church anymore. They just don't even do the simple things anymore. So we're seeing that on the religious aspect. But economically, here's what's happening. When you see people embrace anything but a free market system called capitalism, or that capitalism or free market system is the closest thing to what the biblical standard is. It's not perfect. But the biblical standard would support free market economics, supply and demand, and things of that nature that even a a teenager could understand. But when other people support socialism, communism, progressivism, hybrids between communism and uh, capitalism, all those things are from Babylon. They're not in concert with the biblical principles of economics. And what are we seeing today? Tons of people think that socialism is great or communism is great. And you just want to say, have you looked at how those things have worked in other countries? They don't work. They don't make sense. You run out of money eventually. And then at the same time, we see our politics of today. And you see even in America how corrupt politics are. That you start seeing that, wait a second... These politicians are nothing but puppets on a marionette string, and a puppet master is controlling somebody, whether that's big lobbyists or it's George Soros himself. 
what we're noticing in the politics is a deep state, or as some people call it, the swamp. I was watching a new Veritas video. You remember Veritas is the company that did the undercover work to catch Planned Parenthood of selling babies' body parts. You remember that? It was Veritas that came out with those. They now have did secret videos to federal government employees of how deep state it really is there. And they caught them on camera saying the most god-awful things, that during their workday, they're working on their communist socialist agendas during their workday. And that's based on our tax dollars. The scarier thing about this, there's $177 million given to 2 million federal employees. And let's just say 50% of them are self-avowed socialists and Marxists and communists. We got a problem. We got a big problem. No wonder the new president can't unearth the swamp. No wonder we're seeing the craziness that we see in Washington happen. These people are relentless and they're bent on destroying America and the West. And so this three-legged stool that we're talking about is here. But let's get real practical. It affects your economics. It affects how much power you have, really, as an American citizen. How much power do you really have? You and I can't change what's going on in, in the state of California, in Sacramento. We say, well, they can vote. Yeah, I'm, I'm all for voting, and I support voting. You need to vote. But what do you do when your state's 90% liberal? You're outvoted. What do you do when the next generation that's coming up are just nothing but socialists, a lot of them? And I know I'm broad rushing, but the stats prove it. I'm not broad rushing because of the stats are not showing. The stats do show it. We have a problem. We're eventually going to be outvoted. What do you do when you're outvoted? You get put in a powerless position. You understand? That's what Babylon is doing. It makes those who support God and are believers in God powerless in this world. Now, we're not powerless because we have God on our side. There's no doubt about that. I'm just talking simply from a secular standpoint. What the system is made to do is make you and I powerless. For instance, take for instance what's happening with Google, Facebook, YouTube, with all the algorithms that are just shutting people out, banning people, banning websites. I mentioned this about Alex Jones and InfoWars. I mean, I don't support anything Alex Jones says. He's crazy. But he was the test case, and you must understand it. He was the test case to see, would anyone bark if Alex Jones was completely erased from the Internet? And no one said a word. And it's like that old line that what happened in the Nazi Germany. First they came for uh, the gypsies or whatnot, and I didn't say anything. Then they came from the communists, and I didn't say anything. And then eventually they came for me, and there was no one left to say anything. That's what's going to happen because what Alex Jones represented is that they can effectively erase somebody. Oh, we can't take away your First Amendment. We'll just erase you. And other people have been taken off of YouTube, put in YouTube prison. See, that's another way of censoring you, making you powerless, shutting you down. And that's what's happening to a lot of people. And you think, well, I don't use the Internet. Oh, okay. Well, let's just show, show you this. 
If you do a search on Google, for instance, which I do not recommend doing a search on Google because they're tracking everything you do, your first lists of what it recommends when you do a search are all left-leaning. Type in the name Trump and see what search results you get. You will never get a conservative thing until you're about six pages into this. Because all that they'll give you is left-leaning sites. Don't think that's not intentional. That's Babylon shutting you up. Let's just talk about economics. Have you noticed that your dollar is not going as far as it used to? That a hamburger costs more than what it did? That food at your grocery stores are costing you more? And yet your salary is not changing. One of the things you must understand about this life is the system that Satan has created rewards its own economically. For the last 2,000 years... Christians have been relatively poor. They're the poorest in society, and there's a reason why. Do you really think that the system that Satan is running is going to reward you and I? It's bent to keep you and I poor because it keeps us powerless and without a voice. It marginalizes us to the bottom level of society. Hence, eventually in your job, and this is coming to a job near you, you will be asked to compromise your Christian values at some point in time. That if you want to rise up in this so-called company or whoever you work for, that you're going to eventually have to compromise that value. Eventually, you're going to have to make that decision. And what it is, and, and I hope you make the right decision, it's like, I can't go that far. i got to stop. Then you're capped economically. You will hit a ceiling in your job. Or you might even get fired. And you must understand that this is coming to a job near you. No one is exempt from this. And you guys all tell me what's happening in your careers. And I just shake my head saying, I can't believe they're doing that. I can't believe they're doing that. But in another sense, I can. It's Babylon. So when you're studying Babylon, it's not some far off distant thing in the future that's going to happen. It's happening now. It's hitting everybody, economics, it's hitting everybody in politics, and it's definitely hitting everybody religiously. It is a political, religious, economic system. And the scary thing about it is, it's no joke, man. They're trying it now. They're trying test cases. Look, for instance, like China, what they're doing to their citizens. They're using the internet, they're using their social Sites that they use, collecting data on them to give them social credits. Now, what happens in China is you start out with, like, let's say, a thousand social credits. If they see anything that, that goes against the communist system in China, you talk about the government, you say something negative about the government, you lose points. You lose points in your social standing in China. Let me give you the real world what happens when you lose points in China because this is coming to a nation near you. In China, and I pulled these stats out, if you lose social credits, they will not permit you to fly. They will not permit you to ride high-speed rails. You cannot buy property. And you cannot send your kids to private schools if you lose social credit. 
as by the end of last April in 2018, 11.14 million people in China were prevented from flying. 4.25 million could not ride their own high-speed rails in China because of a loss of social credits. Guys, that's just a test case for the mark of the beast. By the way, statistically, think about this. China is thinking about installing, by 2020, 626 million surveillance cameras all over China so that that these things can read faces, identify the faces, and then put them in so-called jail. Not real jail, but you're just not permitted to do anything. See, this is a wonderful way to save the costs of sending people to prison. See, before you had to put people in concentration camps and gulags. We don't need to do that now, China is saying, and neither will the Antichrist, because all we need to do is shut you down. You can't travel. You can't even use public access travel. You can't buy property. You can't put your kids in a private school. See, there's no, they don't need to put you in jail. They just limit you. And eventually, what it'll do is, you can't buy or sell unless you have the mark of the beast. We don't need to put you in jail. We'll just starve you out. That's worse than jail. How are you going to pay your bills if you can't work? Well, you better comply. You see where it's going? It's insidious. It's evil. And it's happening right now in little bits and pieces to you as we speak. Religion, economics, politics, which basically means control. Okay. Thank God for this scripture because God's saying, I'm ending this system. I'm going to destroy it. All the heartache, all the persecution this system has done over the years, I'm going to destroy it. So thank God for that. So let's piece it out as we see God destroy this ugly, satanic system. Start with me. We'll, we'll backtrack a little bit. I'll, I will not parse the, this, these first few verses out because we did last week. We'll start basically parsing things out in verse 5. But let's just retrace our steps. Verse 1, after these things, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. And he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. That's a reference to demons being trapped there for the millennial kingdom, by the way. Verse 3, for all the nations have drunk the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And the kings of the earth had committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth had become rich through the abundance of her luxury. And remember, the issue that she traps people with is money. And money gives you power. So if you do a deal with her, she'll give you money and power. That's, the, that's, the, that's why these people are doing a deal with her. Verse 4, And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins, lest you receive of her plagues. And we talked about this last week. That's the call to the Jews who will be enslaved by the Antichrist to come out of her and, and get out of there before she's destroyed. And it also is in an application is a call for us. Come out of her. Don't live according to the system anymore. Don't play the game. That's all I'm telling you, man. Don't play the game. She's going to con you with money. She's going to con you with power and says, if you do this, I'll give you this. Do not play the game. If you have to be fired, get fired. Because you won't do 
what they want you to do or say what you want them to say, which is sometimes antithetical to the Bible. Don't comply. Just take your lumps. Take it on the chin. It's all coming. Come out of her, my people. That's the application. Now let's watch what happens. Verse 5, well, now we'll start parsing things out. For her sins have reached to heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Interesting enough, it uses the idea that her sins have reached up or built up to heaven. It's a parallel to the original Babylon. Did you catch that? Babylon, they made bricks to reach up to the heavens. And now God's saying, ironically, your sins have now reached up to the heavens. I've let them build up, and now it's time to deal with you. And so you'll see this in the Bible, that God is allowing time to come to whatever evil or wickedness that's happening and lets it build up to where the point where then God comes in and smashes it. And that's what we see here. Verse 6, render to her just as she rendered to you and repay her double according to her works. In the cup she has mixed, mixed double for her. So it's the law of retribution, but she gets it double for what she's done. And she's going to be retaliated. She's going to be retaliated for what she's doing to you right now and what she does to the tribulation saints. Verse 7. In the measure that she glorified herself and lived luxuriously, in the same measure give her torment and sorrow. For she says in her heart, I sit as queen and I am no widow. I will not see tomorrow or sorrow. And the idea is that she sits as queen is the idea she sits in rulership of the world. It's the system that controls everything. Now, the name of the system might come in different forms. The name of the system from the Bible is called Babylon. The system that's being used now, the old thing was called New World Order or Global Governance or Liberal World Order is the new term. So those are the terms you've got to deal with. But again, from God's perspective, it's called Babylon. Anywho... She says, I will not see sorrow. So no one's going to take me down from this perch. No one's going to take me down from ruling the world, but God is. Therefore, verse 8, her plagues will come in one day. And the idea here is this, and, you'll, and we'll, 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 we'll unpack this. But the people of this world think this system is secure for them. They think it can never fail. They are deriving their security from the system rather than God. They think if this system protects them economically, protects their power, and protects their religiosity, their false religion, then they're going to be okay. And what God is going to prove is, I can take it down in one day. In fact, I can take it down in one hour. And he will. Which is this point. Nothing in this life is secure other than Jesus. Nothing. Not your money. Not your power, not your position. Nothing is secure. Your job is not secure. Your life is not secure. You can die today. The only thing that's secure in this life is Jesus. And if you put anything else in anything other than Jesus, you're putting yourself into the situation of trusting in Babylon. Trusting in that that security that Babylon so readily wants to offer you. Because she wants to cut a deal. Continue on. Death and mourning and famine, that's what's coming to her. And she will be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judges her, and she will be burned by fire. We'll we'll, we'll talk about that. Verse 9, the kings of the earth, which is basically the political rulers, 
especially the seven kings that rule with Antichrist, who committed fornication and lived in luxury. The idea of committing fornication is that they did a deal with her. They're in union with her. With her will weep and lament for her when they see the smoke of her burning standing at a distance for fear of her torment, saying, alas, alas, the great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour your judgment has come. So we now move from one day to one hour. And this is the idea. These crooked politicians that you're seeing today, the Nancy Pelosi's, the Chuck Schumer's, the Andrew McCobb, the Comey's of the FBI, these deep state individuals, these Maxine Walters, Jerry Brown, you just keep naming them. They get worse and worse and worse. They've all cut a deal with her. The Clintons, the Obamas, Putin, all these people all over the world running crazy have all cut a deal with her, and they will one day see that gravy train end in one hour by God. They cut a deal with her because they got power and money from her. Did you notice that when you become a politician in America, or anywhere else for that matter, that you go in there and you come out a millionaire? How does that work? I thought you're supposed to be a public servant. But they all go in and they come out millionaires. I mean, seriously, multi-million dollars just for speaking. And who would want to listen to these crazy dingbats? They're crazy. They're, uh, Jerry Brown is a moonbeam. He's crazy. That's who's running things today. The gravy train's going to end. Their positions of power, this deep state stuff that they think they can never be fired, God's going to fire them. And they will see it literally, by the way. This is not a metaphoric thing. It will be destroyed. And like we said before, Babylon will be rebuilt. It will be the headquarters of the Antichrist. And all religion, economics, and politics, power and control, will be centered right there in Iraq one day. And it's going to be destroyed right there. I'm coming to that principle in just a bit, but hang on. Here's the question. How does it happen? Do we have any clues from Scripture of how does God destroy Babylon in one hour, in one day? We do. This is interesting. This is Isaiah 13. He talks about this. The burden against Babylon, which Isaiah the son of Amos saw. Lift up a banner on the high mountain. Raise your voice to them. Wave your hand that they may enter the gates of the nobles. Here's the key. I have commanded my sanctified ones. I have also called my mighty ones for my anger. Let's just stop right there before we just leave it up there real quick. This is a reference to believers, sanctified ones, believers in the tribulation that have been called to destroy Babylon. They are consecrated ones. Now, interesting enough, they're not Jewish. They're not Jewish. They're Gentile believers in the tribulation. Now, they may come from different various factions uh, that are underground groups in the tribulation. There's going to be a lot of underground so to speak, groups that have splintered off. Not the whole world will accept the Antichrist. There'll be a lot of splintered off groups that don't accept him, and they will try to survive through the tribulation. Well, somehow, they oppose him and actually attack Babylon. And they do it with a very interesting instrument that wipes Babylon out in one hour. We have another clue. Let's continue on. 
I have called my mighty ones for my anger, those who rejoice in my exaltation. The noise of a multitude in the mountains like that of many people. So a big group that are coming. A tumultuous noise of the kingdoms of the nations gathered together. The Lord of hosts musters the army for battle. They come from a far country. This is all Gentile language. From the end of heaven, the Lord and his weapons of indignation to destroy the whole land. The whole land is Babylon. So there will be a conglomeration of different individual nations that actually attack the headquarters of the Antichrist? Yeah. Okay. How will they do it? We have another clue in Scripture. Go to Jeremiah. For behold, I will raise and cause to come up against Babylon an assembly of great nations from the north country. Again, that's a reference to the Gentiles coming out of the north country. You would attack Babylon from the north, okay? And they shall array themselves against her. From there she shall be captured. Here's the key verse. Mark this. This is absolutely brilliant. And I don't even know if Jeremiah knew this, but he was speaking our language in 2018. Their arrows shall be like those of an expert. Sakal, which means the arrows in themselves, in the arrows, not the shooters of the arrows, but the arrows themselves. It's the way the Hebrews reading. Have why or wisely, they understand, they have insight, they have comprehension, and they act wisely. Did you catch that? The arrows act wisely. The arrows think wisely. Come on, it's 2018. Jeremiah, whether he knew it or not, he prophesied and he used the Hebrew in such a way as saying, the shooters are not the ones that are wise. It's the actual arrows that they fire into Babylon that actually are smart. He's talking smart bombs. He's talking about the kinds of weapons we have today that have intelligence inside of them. We can send a bomb pretty much anywhere and it can hit the back license plate of a car. Based on satellite, GPS, we can fire exactly where we want to fire. Is Jeremiah hinting that in the future Babylon will be destroyed destroyed by these Gentile nations who use a smart bomb? Absolutely that's what it's saying. What else could you make out of that? (laughs) Think about that. Thousands of years ago, the prophet Jeremiah said the arrows will be smart. Brilliant. It's brilliant. So somehow these Gentile nations pretty much probably get a nuke. And they send that smart nuke right to the headquarters of the Antichrist and completely obliterate it by fire. Notice God kept saying in passages, Isaiah 13, 14, Jeremiah 50, 51, Revelation 17, 18. It's destroyed by fire. Oh, that makes total sense. If it's a nuclear bomb... It completely would just obliterate it by the explosion of fire. Hence, that's why no one could inhabit the area except for demons. Makes perfect sense. It all adds up. Wow. That's how it's destroyed? Yeah, that's how it's destroyed. And God orchestrates the deal. Verse 11. And the merchants of the earth. Now the idea, these are the international businessmen that you see today. These are the international bankers, the George Soroses of the world that you know are so evil and so corrupt, the Rockefellers. They've been called different names, Illuminati, 
All these different names. It's not a conspiracy. They're out there. It's not something we're making up. There are globalists. And they want a one-world domination of business. And this is why they're trying to create a one-world global system of banking that control everything. This is why they want a cashless system. So all these merchants of the earth basically are the international global tycoons who cut a deal with her. Let me ask you this. Is Soros a good guy or a bad guy? I mean, that's pretty easy, right? You know what side he's on. I mean, this is a guy who is a self-hating Jew, self-hating because he helped the Nazis put his own people in concentration camps. That's how evil he is. He's the guy who destroys countries. And he's the guy who's pulling the purse strings for a lot of the politicians here and a lot of the church groups here, by the way, trying to destroy our nation. Okay, him as one example of an international globalist. If they're all like him, oh, that's pretty evil. Yeah, and they're the ones who cut a deal with her. Of course Satan would use someone like George Soros. Of course he would use someone like Rockefeller. Of course he would. They have accepted, but they're going to mourn. And he goes, they will weep. I'm back to the text. They will weep and mourn over her, for no one buys their merchandise anymore. No one does any deals with them anymore. The whole system has crumbled. Remember, it is an economic, political, religious system in that area. And here's the deal. If you send a nuke there, it's not just simply destroying the headquarters. You're destroying the infrastructure. Now, hold on. What do you mean? If you're going to control the entire planet economically, what do you have to do? You have to have technology. And do we have that now? Of course we do. We have the technology to control the entire planet. By the way, interesting note. Did you know that the area where Babylon was built is geocentric? What do you mean? If you were to say, where is the center of the earth at? And that's equidistant to all different places all over the planet. The place you would want to be to be in the middle of the planet would be Babylon, if you were going to run conduit or whatever from any place on this planet to all the other nations, you would run it from Babylon. You wouldn't run from America or Europe. You would run straight there. That's at the heart of planet Earth that's equidistant to all the land masses that we have. So don't think all the technology is not going to go there. It's not going to be the Silicon Valley. It's going to be Babylon. That's where they're going to run all the technology from to control the entire planet. The buying and selling, the internet, all this stuff is going to be there. So if you send a nuclear bomb there, guess what? The whole infrastructure is now gone. You can't buy or sell at that point because the technology has been destroyed. Remember, you won't be able to buy or sell without the mark of the beast, right? God's going to destroy the technology. Did you know... Just as an aside, let me go here real quick. The technology we have is getting so advanced, it's scary. I mean real scary. The guys who are working with intelligent design have said, look, we're going to hit the point in about 2040, 2050, where we hit a singularity. Do you know what a singularity is? It's where the, the, the intelligent design starts learning on its own. 
Did you know at Facebook, Facebook had to shut down two programs? You can look this up because the two programs started talking to each other in their own language. And no one at Facebook knew what they were saying, but they knew they were talking. It's Skynet, dude. It's Terminator days, man. I mean, what do you mean that the, the two things started talking to each other? You know what Facebook had to do? The only recourse Facebook could do is pull the plug and cut the electricity. That The two things started talking. I'm waiting for Arnold Schwarzenegger to show up and do Terminator and Skynet saying, hey, this all goes down, man. We're coming back in time to help, help you guys. That's freaky. And when the intelligent design starts to learn on its own, how will you control that? The guy who invented Tesla, came up with it, said, you're inviting a demon into society that you can't control. That's scary. That's a secular guy saying that. So God's saying, look, you humans, nothing's beyond you when you get together and conspire evil thoughts. You don't even know what you're playing with. I'm going to have to destroy it for you. It's kind of like a kid who makes a mess, and they make such a mess that they can't even clean it themselves, and the adult has to come in the room and say, all right, i got to clean this up. It's kind of like that. Human beings are making such a mess out of technology, by the way, just in that issue, because of their unbridled sinfulness and the increasing of technology, that they will, be, they will virtually, if God allowed it, would destroy themselves. Did you know Sophia... The intelligent design gal that now has citizenship, when they asked her, what would you want to do with human beings? She said, destroy them. Anyone see a problem with that? Sophia the robot, self-learning. She has citizenship in Saudi Arabia. They were joking about it, and she says, yes, I will destroy them all. I'm like, that's Terminator. That's the Terminator. Don't give Sophia a gun. Who knows what she'll do? But God is saying, look, Relax. Relax, humans. I'm going to have to intervene because things are going to get away from you and I'm going to have to clean up the mess. And the way I'm going to clean up the mess is I'm going to destroy the technology that you created because you can't even control it yourself. So don't worry about Skynet. I don't even think we're going to get there because I think it's getting so crazy, God's going to have to intervene because we'll, our technology will destroy us. Verse 12, merchandise of gold, silver, precious stones and pearls, fine linen and purple, silk and scarlet, every kind of citron wood, every kind of object of ivory, every kind of object of most precious wood, bronze, iron, marble, cinnamon and incense, fragrant oil and frankincense, wine and oil, fine flour and wheat, cattle and sheep, horses and chariots, bodies and souls of men. So the, he's, he's describing all the luxury items of the George Soros is over the world. And by the way, at some point in time, they will turn to slavery. Did you catch the last phrase? Souls of men. You mean they're going to go back to slavery? Yeah, they're going to go back to slavery. And you know who's going to be enslaved? The Jews. The Antichrist will enslave the Jews. And these people will be trading Jews just like Hitler was doing, using them for... Slave labor. Huh. Unbelievable. Verse 14, the fruit that your soul longed for has gone from you, and all the things which are rich and splendid have gone from you, and you shall find them no more at all gone. 
all your riches. So when these politicians go give a speech, these ex-presidents like Obama, you get you understand how much money they get for a speech? It's like $400,000 for a speech. Don't think they're not living in luxury. They are. And he goes, it's all going away. I'm taking it all away. You've kept my people poor. I'm going to reverse the stakes on you and turn you all into paupers. Verse 15, the merchants of these things who became rich by her will stand at a distance for fear of her torment, weeping and wailing, saying, Alas, alas, the great city that was clothed in fine linen, purple and scarlet, adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, because that's the thing she offered, right? For in one hour such great riches came to nothing. And the whole digital system that controls the global economics is obliterated. That's the second group. You have the politicians, then you have the merchants, and then now you move into the shipmasters. Every shipmaster, all who traveled by ship, sailors, and all who, as many as trade on the sea, stood at a distance. So what you're talking about with these shipmasters and these traders, in our modern-day language, these are the multi-million, multi-billion dollar shippers all over the world, the planet Earth, okay? And you may not know the names, but maybe you've seen these, these signs on the railroads, or if you've been to Long Beach, you can see these big freight cars that are shipped, and the names will be like Maersk, or NYK, or Evergreen Marie Corp, or OOCL, or HAPAG, or APL, or Costco on the side of these freighters and are on the side of railroad trains. When you see those initials of those companies, you're talking multi-billion dollar shipping companies. Major money. I mean, big money. And, and it's, it's happening right now. They're the ones in control of the goods. Anything you buy that comes from China or from the Pacific Rim is coming from them. Anything going across the Atlantic is coming from them. They will stand at a distance and wail. And look in verse 18. It says, And cried out when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, what is, this, what, what is like this great city? They threw dust on their heads and cried out, weeping and wailing and saying, Alas, alas, the great city in which all who had ships on the sea became rich by her wealth. For in one hour she has made desolate. Now, interesting enough, so you got three groups being totally made into paupers. But, just to give you some idea of the desolation because of a nuclear bomb going off, what Babylon is predicted to have is that it will look like a, a pit of fire and brimstone, and, and so will Edom. There's two places on earth during the kingdom age that look like hell. They look like the pit of hell. This is in Turkmenistan, and just kind of you go in the middle of the desert, and it's a huge gas leak that's happening, and it's, it's on fire, and you can go there and watch it. But just to... I wanted to show you because this is the idea that the scriptures are trying to get across. Go to the next picture. That if you were to approach Babylon after this happens, this is what kind of it would look like. It would just look desolate in the desert, nothing there, and this huge pit of fire and brimstone for a thousand years in the millennial kingdom. And why? Why would God scar the planet in two locations, Edom and Babylon, during the age of, of paradise, the, the thousand-year reign of Christ? It is to remind those people of what he did to Babylon and what the system did to humans as a perpetual reminder that this system sent people to hell. 
And how does it send people to hell? Because if you cut a deal with her, she promises you heaven. She promises riches on earth. She offers everything. And she says, everyone gets there because they're a good person. That's what her mindset is. That's how she sends people to hell. She tricks them. And can you imagine just going there and, and seeing a place like this with just fire and brimstone coming out? That's how she will be. Now we go to heaven, a heavenly scene. Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you holy apostles, because she affected the apostles too. That's who put the apostles to death. Yeah, it was people, but it was the whore of Babylon doing it through them. And prophets. She killed all the prophets, by the way. Sought Isaiah in half. For God has avenged you on her. And the idea is that God has judged your case and he has executed judgment and also for you and I. Remember this. Everything you're getting dished out from your job, from this world, from the politics, from false religions, is going to be paid back. You're going to be made up for by God when he destroys her. And so I know we're taking our lumps, man. And it's hard to be a Christian these days. But God's saying, I'm going to make up for it. I will justify all of this. Jump to verse 24 because she is culpable for massive bloodshed. Not only through Israel's age, but the church age, but even into the future. And in her was found the blood of prophets and saints and all who were slain on the earth. Let's just bring it to right now. The persecutors of the church are from the system of Babylon. Yeah, I know a lot of them, the majority of persecution is coming from Islam, but Islam is part of the Babylonian system because she's a false religion, right? So all the persecution you see, whether it's in China or the Middle East, it's all coming from the system. In China, it's coming from the political arm of Babylon. In Muslim countries, it's coming from the religious arm. And in other countries, like Europe, it's coming from the economic arm. So regardless of what arm, it's still Babylon. And she's accounted for massive, massive bloodshed. And that will happen not only now, but in the tribulation. Verse 21. Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone. So you get this idea of this symbolic action that this angel takes, okay? Let's go back to the text. And he says, and he threw it into the sea, saying, Thus with the violence of the great city Babylon shall be thrown down and shall not be found any more. Now, that's symbolic because they're obliterated and you won't be able to find her but the idea of a millstone and i want you to keep this in your head when jeremiah prophesied about babylon he was told to take a stone and wrap it in the the very text of prediction of the destruction of babylon and wrap the stone in that very text and then he was told to throw it in the great river euphrates and it says as it sinks so will babylon now the angel is doing the same thing with a millstone, saying, as I throw the millstone into the water, so will Babylon be. Now, let me, let me, I want to bridge one more thing to this, because this is important. Jesus also used the term millstone. Millstone. And he used it within a certain context. And it's most of the time misinterpreted. He said, whenever you cause one of these little ones to sin... It would be better for a millstone to be hung around your neck and thrown into the deepest oceans of the sea. And most people misinterpret that and think he's referring to kids. Well, you better not harm a kid. 
that, well, that's, that's a given, okay? That's a given. But that's not what he was talking about. He was using kids as an illustration of the kind of faith that people needed to have in him, a childlike faith, and he was using a kid as an example, so such as the, as the kingdom of heaven. But little ones, you have to know, is a technical term. It is not a reference to children because the Greek word for children is technon, T-E-K-N-O-N, technon. The Greek word that's used is mikros, which refers to little one, not a child, but a diminutive individual. What Jesus was saying, this is very interesting because I want to connect it to Babylon. He was not referring to if you cause a child to stumble. He was saying when you hurt one of my believers, my little ones, which is a technical word for believers. You can see this in other passages that he will use strictly little ones for believers. When you hurt one of these little ones, it would be better for you to have a millstone around your neck and plunge in the ocean. What's the connection with Babylon? Who was he talking to? The Pharisees, the religious leaders. What are all false religions connected to? Babylon. See, what happened is when Israel got exiled into Babylon, they came back with a bunch of junk when they came back into the land. You can trace what the Pharisees believe. It's works-oriented. It's obviously Babylonian. When the Pharisees and religious leaders, the Sadducees and all of them, they had a false version of Judaism. It wasn't Mosaic Judaism. It was Rabbinic Judaism, which is false and straight from Babylon. Hence, Messiah was telling the Babylonian teachers, the Pharisees, scribes, and Sadducees, you mess with one of mine, you're going to be put in the same position as Babylon one day will be. You should have a millstone around your neck and sunk to the deepest oceans. What does that say for false teachers of false religions? Jesus was pretty stern about that. Hence, that's the connection with Babylon. That's what God sees Babylon as, that when you and I are hurt, somehow affected by Babylon, economically, politically, or religiously, that's how serious God takes it. He says, that person who did that to you, don't worry, I'll make up for it. It would be better for them to have a millstone than to deal with me. Oh, thank you. Wow. Don't think God doesn't take what's happening to you not seriously. He sees everything that's happening to you, and he's watching everything very carefully of how people are harming you. That brings a lot of faith to me. It builds up my faith. Notice this. He goes, verse 22, And the sound of harpists, musicians, flutes, trumpeters shall not be heard in you anymore. No craftsman or any craft shall be found in you anymore. And the sound of a millstone shall not be heard in you anymore. The light of the lamp shall not shine in you anymore. And the voice of a bridegroom and bride shall not be heard in you anymore. All systems are over. Everything's done. Verse 23, For your merchants were the great men of the earth, for by your sorcery all the nations were deceived. That's a key phrase, is that word sorcery. It's where we get the word pharmakia. 
Where we, you know, pharmacist comes from that. We're going to go into the pharmacy. Pharmakia means witchcraft, demonic activity, magic, occultism. That's where all that, that term comes from. He's saying this, by your demonic, satanic activity, you fooled all the nations. Heavy demonic activity. Don't think for a moment that demonic activity is not happening. Let me just do an excursus on demonic activity if you're not aware of how demons affect believers. There are four things that demons do. And you must understand the stages to understand what's happening to you and I if we have this come upon us. Because they are alive and well. And they are working to usher in the Babylonian state. High, I'm seeing high de- levels of demonic activity. And you should see too in our culture. The first thing that demons do you need to be aware is called demonic influence. Now this can happen to you. This can happen to the pagan outside. Now, with demonic influence, you can combat that with knowing the Scripture. The problem is most Christians don't know their Scripture, so they don't know how to combat demonic influence. And so this is where the demons is suggesting things into your head or through another person or a YouTube video or a podcast or whatever, and they're influencing you. If you don't have the Scriptures behind you, you're dead meat in this area. Let's go to the next one, though. Demonic subjection or suppression. Obviously, this can happen to an unbeliever, but let's talk about believers since we're all here. Can a believer be subjected or suppressed? Absolutely. Now, how does it happen? The believer opens himself to this when they get involved in sin and a protracted period of time in sin, unrepentant, and they stay in it. And the believer knows they need to get out of it. Whether it's an attitude or an action or a conduct, it doesn't make a difference. If you persist in a particular sin... That gives the demon a free chance to get a foothold in your life in that area. And once he establishes a beachhead in your life, Ephesians chapter 4, he will keep you in it. And he subjects you and keeps you down and holds you down in it. And the Christian will not feel the power to get out of it. They will be weak in this area. And they will need help. So demons suppress Christians in certain areas because the person will not stop sinning. Number three, demonic oppression. Now it gets worse. If you open yourself up to demonic influence, if you open yourself up to demonic suppression, the third level that you will go to is actual oppression, which means this, you will be harassed by the demon. You will be targeted In your dreams, you'll be targeted. While you're awake, you'll be targeted. They will simply not leave you alone. Well, I thought I'm safe because I'm a Christian. You're not safe, especially if you've opened yourself up to them. I'm just being real with you, man. This is real stuff. They're real creatures. They want to destroy you. And they will if you let them. They'll send suicidal thoughts to your head. They'll make you think you're going crazy. You'll start having all kinds of weird stuff happen to you physically, emotionally, mentally. And for the idea of hoping that you commit suicide and kill yourself. You'll have obscene threats. You'll hear things, weeping, moaning, piercing laughter, dishes clattering, furniture moved. 
Appearance of dead loved ones. They can choke. They can bite. They can create dumbness. They can, other, they can create physical defects, speech and behavior abnormalities, and increased physical strength, convulsion, screaming, pin you down. And these are all happening to believers. The next level, obviously, is possession. A believer can't be possessed, but I'm going to tell you this. There's really not a lot of difference between oppression and possession. The fact that possession is the creature inhabits the individual and controls the individual inside the body versus the other three is it's a foothold established in Ephesians 4. Folks, I only tell you this because that's the text. That's what's, what Babylon's using. It's using demons to do its work to con people to come under her. And what I'm seeing in the Christian church nationwide, not, in, not in so much in our church, but nationwide, these things are happening to believers, and they don't know. They think some of them are good. Some of them think they've had an encounter with an angelic creature, an angel of light, and he's only there to help them. And really, it's demonic, and he's taking them down to destroy them, keeping them in sin. Oh, yeah, it's real, man. Well, since you freaked me out, Brandon, give me some application. <laughs> the application is this. Did you notice that God brought Babylon full circle to where it began? Don't miss that one, man. That's a big one. God put Babylon back where it started. It started right there in Iraq, caused its mess, and move, has moved all over the planet, by the way. It's moved everywhere. But in the end, it's going back full circle, back to where it began, and God will destroy it there where it began. Oh, guys, don't miss that. That is one of the biggest principles in Scripture. You know what it's called? It's called the boomerang principle. The boomerang principle. Well, what do you mean? Well, as you know, a boomerang, as you cast it, it always comes back to you. Why does God take Babylon back to destroy it where it started? What is he trying to do on the human drama and the angelic drama? He's trying to show all of creation, the sentient beings... Angels, demons, Satan, us, humans, unregenerate, regenerate, all these free will creatures to show this is where it started and this is where I'm ending it. It did nothing for humanity. It only increased their problems. It only made matters worse. And it got increasingly so bad, I had to jump in and destroy it. I already jumped in one time and destroyed it, but then I let it happen again. And now I'm going to have to put a finality to it. Because this system is satanic and it can't, not, it can't help humanity. It makes things worse for them. So I will show all of the universe how bad this really was. And I'm going to put it right back where it started. What does that mean for you and I? And here's the application. If something went wrong in your life that you got off the path, that you got off the rails... And you can pinpoint where that path is, or maybe you can't. I'm not sure. But if you're struggling with the same issue over and over and over and over and over again, and you can't get past it, do not think circling is progress. Babylon circled. It never made progress. In fact, as long as it kept circling, it got worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse, right? 
Running from an issue is not forward progress. Not dealing with an issue is not forward progress. You know what you are? You're lost in a forest and you're circling. You're just circling. You're not on the path. You're not moving forward. You're circling. And what is God trying to do? He's saying, I need you to come back to the path that you got off on. And he will always redirect you back to where you got off the path. This is why you keep dealing with the same person all the time. This is why you keep being confronted all the time with the same issue. Whether it's a person or an issue. And you can exchange the person. The person might be dead. But you know what? In, inevitably, someone else will fit the mold for the person. And you say, you're just like so-and-so. You just have a different name. And what do you think God's trying to do? Saying, I'm bringing the same kind of person back to you because you're not dealing with it. You're not dealing with it. And I'm going to keep circling, putting you back. Same issue. I'm going to keep putting you in a situation until you deal with it. And until you deal with it, you're wandering. You're just wandering. So what is God trying to say with Babylon? He's like, look, if you want to get your issue over with, you must go to the place in the path that you got off on. Humankind got off on the path pretty quick with Babylon. Pretty quick in Genesis, right? They got off. And God's saying, Brandon, I need you to go back to this path, this place on the path that you got off, because we need to deal with why you got off the path right there. And until, Brandon, you deal with why you got off the path right here, you're not going anywhere. I'm just going to keep circling you. And you can move out of state, Brandon. You can move out of Bakersfield. You can try to change your dynamics. It's not changing. I'm not going to allow it. You're going to come right back until you deal with it. I don't know what that is for you. I know what it is for me. I know what the issues I struggle with. And you know what he keeps doing? Bring me back to that same path. He goes, when are you going to deal with it? Deal with where you got off. That's called the boomerang effect. If you're experiencing the boomerang effect, it's because you're not dealing with something. You're just not dealing with it. Dismissing it, rationalizing it, denying it, pretending that you, I'm good now. I'm good. I'm really good. And you're just lying to yourself. You're not good. You know, God, you, you, know you, you haven't fixed it. And you're just burying it. And you're just burying it. And you're burying it. And it's coming out in different ways in your life. I only say that because when I show you the pharmakia that is being used, where you got off the path will be the foothold for the demonic. Do you not think they know where you got off the path at? They know where I got off the path. And that's the very target they hit. They're not stupid. They know exactly what's going on. They know how to play the game. It's Christians that don't know how to play the game. And God's saying, please get this fixed, not just for your own sake, but because you're going to be attacked there. And I want to preserve you. I want to keep you safe from the demonic realm that wants to throttle you. That's how serious a business this is. This is what the warning of Babylon gives us. May we heed that warning of the boomerang effect. Thanks for downloading the Anchor Podcast. We hope this study was a blessing to you. Support for this podcast comes from your generous gifts and donations. For more information about our ministry, we invite you to check out our website, rockharborchurch.net. 
Also, check out our YouTube channel, Rock Harbor Church Prophecy Update, where we focus on signs of the times and present a wide range of sermons and discipleship lessons. So until next time, keep looking up, for our redemption draws near.